One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. This is Paige, the co host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving Olive in June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. Hello, this is Top Stories. I am Andy Zaltzman, bringing you a top story from a previous episode of the Bugle podcast. As we recorded in May 2010, more than 100 million gallons of oil in the Gulf of Mexico were proving pretty difficult to clear up, understandably. This is from issue 116 of The Bugle, entitled Freeze the Oil, with me and John Oliver. Top story this week, oil slick news. Well, Andy, when we left The Bugle two weeks ago, oil was pumping into the ocean off the Louisiana coast and everyone was talking about it. Well, 14 days later, nothing has really changed other than the human response going from shock to depressed resignation. The leak is still pumping out oil like John Grisham pumps out novels, (laughs) indiscriminately and on an almost incomprehensible scale. (laughs) There's a time and a place for oil, Andy. Most of the time, that place is under the ground. It is not, I repeat, not all over a dead fish. Unless the dead fish in question is a seared tuna and the oil in question was squeezed out of an Italian olive. <laughs> little joke to remind you of last week there, oh, Andy. Nice, yeah. I say they, don't eat, they don't eat a lot of, uh, lot of seared tuna fish down there, John. Really? Not a great deal, no. Oh, what, get what? a little bit of sea bass. Oh, yeah? But uh, not a lot of tuna going on there. Well, next time I do that joke, Andy, I'll substitute the tuna yep. for <clears> the bass. Do that. Uh, the Obama administration has responded this week to public concerns that they are not doing enough, uh, making it clear that they're trying everything, from drilling relief wells to firing in mud, golf balls and human hair to clog the pipe up, that's true, to sending down a fat scuba diver to sit on top of the leaking well under the strict instruction not to swim away until they've sorted it all out. And as for the scale of this disaster, it is truly appalling. One media report here said the leak has grown to nearly 19 million gallons over the past five weeks. If the oil-filled gallon milk jugs lined up side by side, there would be enough to reach from New York to Chicago and back. You know what? You had my attention there at 19 million gallons. I really don't think a figure like that needs to be put into any further arbitrary perspective. I think basically everyone understands that 19 million gallons of anything is a f*** of a lot of gallons. You're not going to find yourself confused when someone phones you up and says, Congratulations, I'm happy to tell you that you just won 19 million gallons of grapefruit juice. The only confusion there is going to be, hold on, 
what competition did I enter that had that as a prize? <laughs> Immediately followed by thinking, oh shit, what am I going to do with my brand new massive amount of grapefruit <laughs> juice? You are not going to find yourself saying, excuse me, but uh, can you give me that information again, but this time in milk jug form? Because <laughs> I have absolutely no idea whether what you just said is a lot or not. In fact, can you please tell me how far my milk jugs of grapefruit juice would go if lined up side by side? And please express it to me in terms of a round trip, otherwise I'll just get confused again. See, the mil- milk jugs, is, that's, a, that's a relatively new form of measurement as far as I'm right. concerned. Because I'm mean, generally here... You'd go with know, a bottle. Football pitches. Or, oh, OK, um, right. Or, or buses. Uh-huh. Yeah, I was tall as a bus. Yeah. When I went went to a cinema screen the other day that said it was as tall as three buses. Right, so they could have um, said, like, a bus, well, a bus full, filled maybe. with oil. Yeah, how many buses filled with oil would that yeah. be, John? And how far would those buses go in a trap? Would they stretch in a traffic jam? Right, <laughs> there you go. That might be a whole other way to do it. In fact, yeah. this, the report then went on to say, in the worst-case scenario, if 39 million gallons are spilled... The oil would fill enough jugs to stretch from the Louisiana marshes to Prince William Sound in Alaska. That's where the Exxon Valdez ran aground in 1989, (laughs) spilling nearly 11 million gallons. Stop this bullshit now! That is officially more confusing than the basic facts expressed. In fact, if you manage to successfully unravel that mystery novel of a metaphor, you suddenly realise that this disaster is now significantly already worse than the Exxon Valdez. The problem is that by the time you've worked that out, another million barrels of oil have just been shot into the ocean, and another whole team are now working out whether the milk jugs would now stretch to Utah and back or not. I really do wonder, Andy whether the manpower put into coming up with stupid analogies like this would be better diverted into coming up with ways to stop this f***ing leak. Because the complexity of imaginations on show seems to suggest that if successfully harnessed, this could all be over by now. At the very least, they should all take their stupid milk jugs down to Louisiana and start scooping some f***ing oil out of the Gulf with them. Uh, What are these milk jugs made of? Well, are, we, are they porcelain? I, I'm or? guessing a porcelain milk jug, oh. Andy. I'm guessing your classic porcelain milk jug. Because you've got to be looking at some spillages and breakages as well. So I just don't think they've factored that in. Yeah. Also, Plus, I mean, if they, wanted a more, if they wanted a more impressive distance, they should have used maybe longer and thinner receptacles that they could have laid end-to-end. Right. Maybe, I, I don't know. You know, yards of ale. You know, you know the, the, the yard of ale. Yeah. Like, yeah, the kind of... That would be, you could get to Portugal. Shoot. Yeah. Well, I think that that would have made me pay more attention. Or maybe you know, if if they'd frozen it into cricket bat moulds, how many how many frozen cricket bat oil cricket bats? With I don't know if you can can you freeze oil, Chris? Uh, yeah, I, I have no idea. I'm afraid. No, I'm not a scientist. Right. I can look it up for you if you like. Right. <laughs> oh, that'd be great, Chris. Can you please ask if uh, can you please find out if you can freeze oil and. Therefore, if that oil could be frozen into a cricket bat <laughs> shape. If the answer to the first is yes, I'm guessing the second is yes as well. I'm on to it. Thanks, Chris. Get back um, to us. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of oil gone missing here. And the people I feel sorry for are the, the, the cars that can't go anywhere now because they've not got the, the oil. You know, yep. These stationary cars, see car parks full of cars just sitting there. You know, I mean, if they hadn't been for that spill, they'd probably be moving. Right. Are you sure you're not mistaking stranded cars for cars... Uh, devoid of people who've just gone shopping before returning to them. Well, I mean, it's too early to speculate. You're right, you're right, it is, it is. <laughs> but um, I read also this, uh, that um, it turns out that uh, papers uh, that the New York Times obtained from a congressional investigator showed that uh, BP had capped their well with a relatively cheap type of casing. Um, which, uh-huh. 
Which, you know, I mean, we've all economised at times. And, you know, <laughs> I guess there's... Maybe we shouldn't criticise BP in this. I mean, after all, John, the B in their name stands for British. That's correct. Origin, so it's reasonable, perhaps even essential, to assume that they know what they're doing a little bit more than, you know, some Johnny-come-lately president, yep. for example, who, as far as I'm aware, has never actually drilled for oil himself. Yep. You know, when Barack Obama has personally stood on his head at the bottom of the deep blue sea whilst a colleague or <laughs> buddy or machine has spun him round and round really fast so he <laughs> penetrates the surface of the planet yep. until oil spurts out. Well, he's not got much right to pass comment to us British people. You're right. Who've been drilling with oil since British Petroleum first came into existence in 1066. <laughs> the thing is, John, we just never know in this life when it's right to economise and when we should, should, should have that upfront expenditure. Um, you know, and generally, I would say... As with BP, it's far better to take the cheap option and be proved wrong than fork out your hard-earned wedge for unnecessary precautions only for nothing then to happen and to be left for the rest of your life with a nagging doubt that if you'd spent a little bit less, nothing might also not have happened. I mean, uh, like Captain Scott, for example, he was so petrified of being stung by a wasp during mealtimes that he went on a massive and very expensive expedition to the South Pole, which cost him a lot of dollar and his life. Now, that is excessive <laughs> precaution right there. Yeah. Uh, and the Cold War, you know, all those nukes. It must have been a real temptation to use a couple of hundred just to justify the expenditure. But now we're left thinking, well, if only we'd built, say, 10 or 12 nukes, you know, enough to make a point, instead of 65,000 nukes, as the world had at its peak, then we could have spent the rest of the money on good causes, like um, instead of nuclear proliferation, snookular proliferation, <laughs> spreading snooker around the world instead of the potential destruction of the planet and all its species. Or the development of revolutionary new technologies, like the uncrashable donkey. Uh -huh. enabling developing world farmers to ride around more quickly, thus boosting their profit <laughs> margins. Also, maybe be able to make it a wireless donkey, too. Everything's got to be wireless these days. Just ask next door's dog, John. Swallowed an internet modem, now gets snacks wherever he goes and, in exchange for sitting still for a couple of minutes while people check their emails. In fact, the wireless internet routing dog could have brought mass communication to the impoverished regions of the world far yeah. more quickly than has been achieved if only we hadn't spent so much money on nuclear weapons. And if CND had been a campaign for new generation internet dogs, then it might have had more effect over the years. That's all I'm saying. You're right, it's the new use for the Great Dane. Instead yeah. of a barrel round its neck... That's right, yeah. ...is a rooter. That's right. Because I've always thought one of the dog's main weaknesses as an animal has been a, a lack of functionality. <laughs> but, um, but, of course, it can work the other way around. Of course, the BP have found out, you know, they didn't, uh, didn't spend enough, and they've, uh, you know, it's like Jesus. You know, if only they'd uh, forked out few extra shekels of his pocket money on uh, those reinforced steel anti-crucifixion gloves. Well, <laughs> need I say more? Or needed I have said less? But it uh, does seem that this, John, was definitely one occasion when spending that little bit extra short-term might have saved a big bit extra long-term. Like when you buy a rhino for a new circus act. You know, a dead one might be much cheaper than a live one, but... It's not going to work long term, you know. It's straight man shtick will rapidly become tiresome and predictable. <laughs> Better pay the extra to a respectable poacher or importer of large horned ungulates uh, and get uh, get one that can do more than stand there looking stiff and slowly decomposing. Or, or even, you know, if you don't want that and hear the hidden costs come in of buying the dead one, um, then you have to have it stuffed by a specialist uh, rhinostic taxidermist, mounted on coasters by a qualified wheelish, and then fitted with brakes by a guy, uh, a guy from down the garage at the end of the road. Uh, that will chuck in some new wipers for free if you ask nicely. And you do need brakes, John, because a wheeled rhino on a sloping stage in a musical is a court, uh -huh. court case from a bereaved orchestra waiting to happen. <laughs> now, I'm getting off point here, 
But the point being, get yourself a decent live rhinoceros and either train it if you want a reliable sidekick, or just work with its wildness if you want a more off-the-cuff, edgy, genuinely danger-filled gig. By which I mean, don't skimp on safety costs when you're setting up and running an oil well, particularly not when you make $14 billion a year. I mean, you've made almost $60,000 in the time it's taken for me to say this. So treat yourself next time, BB, because you're worth it, as are your employers and planet. Thank you for listening to that edition of Top Stories. Now do pop over to the Mothership to listen to the latest issue of the Bugle podcast. It's very much like this Top Story show, but longer and considerably more up to date. Hi, it's producer Chris from the Bugle here. Did you know that I have a new series of my podcast, Richie Firth Travel Hacker, out now? It's the show where Richie Firth and I talk about how to make travel better in our very special way. In this series, we discuss line bikes, Teslas, the London Overground, and a whole bunch of other random stuff that possibly involves wheels or tracks or engines of some variety. God, what a hot sell this is. I mean, you you must be so excited. Listen now.